Good morning. I don't know what kind of week that you have had this week or last week. I don't know what happened in your life that you really wanted to happen and it made you happy or maybe something happened you didn't want to happen and it sort of ruined your week. Maybe there's something that didn't happen that you hoped would happen that has given you a certain approach to today. I don't know what your experiences have been this week. You don't know what mine have been. But if I asked you, what are you feeling this morning? You would probably have an answer to that, right? We're all feeling something. And odds are, we're all feeling differently. Maybe you're struggling this morning with sadness. Or maybe you're struggling this morning with anger. Or maybe you are happy this morning or excited or passionate about something that's going on in your life. Maybe you're dealing with the ups and downs of grief or fear. Maybe you're disgusted with something that's going on in your life or the life of someone you love. Maybe you're dealing with disappointment or anxiety or hopelessness or loneliness. I don't know. But I do know that when it comes to human emotions, I think it would be fair to say that we all struggle with how to manage them. Would that be fair? Could we admit that to one another this morning at the outset? Maybe your emotions run wild and threaten to control your life every day. Maybe you're that emotional. Or maybe you are one of the people that tries to pretend that you don't have any. And you just suppress those emotions entirely. If you're at either of those extremes, or if you're anywhere in between, do we need God's help? We do, don't we? Emotions are powerful. And they do have the potential to take over if we're not very careful. So for the purpose this morning of structure and maybe a familiar reference point for our study, we're going to use the analogy of art to discuss the concept of our emotions and what God would have us to do with them. So with this illustration and parable, if you will, in mind, it's fair to say that when it comes to emotions, we've all been given the raw materials necessary to create a masterpiece. But how many of us do? We've given, been given everything by God to uh, create some kind of masterpiece, but the difficulty lies, as with any piece of art, in knowing what to do with what we have. Simply put, we'd all like to think we're the Bob Ross of human emotions and that we don't make any mistakes, they're just happy accidents. But we're probably more like little children with finger paint, if we're being totally honest. So let's take a look at a few things this morning that I believe will be helpful and good reminders for how to to deal with our emotions in a way that would be pleasing to God. The first thing I'd like to consider is our supplies. When we look at our lives and we look at, at the way that God has built us and the lives that He has given us, what are some things that we all have in common that we might be able to talk about and remind ourselves of this morning? The first thing that we all have is a canvas. We all start with a blank canvas, don't we? We all have a life. We all woke up this morning and, and we had opportunities and we'll have more opportunities later today and tomorrow and the next day. We have the same canvas as everyone else. 
We have life. We have relationships. We have experiences. And, and, and we get to live our lives basically any way we choose, don't we? We all have that as, as part of our supplies, if you will. And there are some things that if, if we're going to be God's people, we need to remember about that canvas. We need to remember some things about our lives if we're going to be effective and biblical at expressing our emotions. The first thing I want us to be reminded of is that Jesus said that the, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus says, listen, if you follow the devil and you do things his way, he's going to take things from you. He'll make promises he can't keep. He'll, he'll rob you of, of what belongs to you, what you're entitled to. He'll destroy you slowly, subtly, but surely. I am not here to do that. I want you to have the best life possible. You know the word abundantly here means superior? Uncommon? It means extraordinary. Jesus says if you want to have the greatest life possible on this planet, you come to me. I want you to have a good life. Do you want to have a good life this morning? I want to have a good life. I want to have that kind of life. I don't want to be stolen from or killed or destroyed. So that's the first thing we got to learn about life is that Jesus doesn't want it to be miserable. He wants it to be great. Psalm chapter 90 verse 12 though reminds us of something about our canvas, our life. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. You know the thing about canvases is they have edges. At some point, you're done. At some point, you reach the edge of that canvas and you can't paint anymore on it. It's finished. The Bible also tells us you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? What is this canvas? It's a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Now, we'd love to change that, wouldn't we? We'd like to think that we can stop that. A, a popular secular songwriter uh, once wrote these lyrics. I don't know how else to say it. Don't want to see my parents go. One generation's length away from fighting life out on my own. So scared of getting older, I'm only good at being young. So I play the numbers game to find a way to say that life has just begun. In the chorus he says, stop this train. I want to get off and go home again. I can't take the speed it's moving in. I know I can, but honestly, won't someone stop this train? You ever feel like that about life? It's moving too fast. You don't, you don't like the pace of it. It's... It's all things are happening too quickly. I want to stop it. Pause. Let me enjoy this more. Let me make more of this. And what's the answer to this person's question? Will someone stop this train for us? No. That's the that's the sad part about life is is that there's no stopping it until it stops, and then it's over. The Bible tells us, "Oh Lord, make me know." The end, or my end, and what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and 
does not know who will gather. God reminds us throughout Scripture that everyone has a life, everyone has a canvas, but if you're wise, you'll consider that there are edges. There are limitations. It's a, it's a finite resource, our lives. I'm sure you've heard the poem written by Linda Ellis in 1996 called The Dash. It bears repeating even if you have heard it this morning. The poem reads in the following way, I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth and spoke the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time that they spent alive on earth. And now only those who loved them know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live in love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real and always try to understand the way other people feel and be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about how you spent your dash? There's some powerful sentiments there, aren't there? That we all get a life, but we all only get one. And you may get 70, 80, 90, 100 years, and you may get 15. You may get 30 more years after today, or you may get 30 more minutes. Those are the supplies we've been given, right? That's the nature of it. Let's move on to, to another part of, of what God has given us. We're going to talk about our emotions. We're going to refer to them as paint. Okay, Your, your emotions, uh, as we proceed with this analogy, are a little bit like paint. You have every color available to you as an artist. And you have the ability to, to combine and mix those colors any way that you choose, any time that you wish. You've been given the same artistic potential as everyone else. And let me say this to you. There is nothing abnormal about what you are feeling, no matter what you're feeling. You, you need to, to know that and, and be okay with that and embrace that. Where do our emotions come from? I'm not talking about what we do with them, but where do they come from? Do you generate your emotions or did God give them to you? Well, they obviously come from God. If you, if you look into the Psalms, you'll read the following. David says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me, 
while as yet there was none of them. So David the psalmist is saying, God, You made me. Before I was ever born, You intricately knitted me together. Everything about me. Everything that would happen in my life. Everything that I would become. You knew about it. You put all of those pieces together before I had a single human experience. And let me remind you, and just I'll just put this on the board, these are the emotions of this man. You can see them throughout the book of Psalms. Joy, loneliness, fear, gratitude, anger, contentment, disappointment, depression, uncertainty, and restlessness all belonged to David. He experienced them all. He expressed them all in an inspired book of the Bible. You'll notice God didn't say, well, listen, David, I know you're feeling unhappy, but don't write about that. You seem depressed, but keep that to yourself. We don't want to talk about that. No, write about it. I want people to read this till the end of time. I want people to understand that I made you this way. I gave you these feelings. I knitted them into the fabric of who you are before you were ever born. Do you take encouragement from that the way that I do? That, that joy or that pain or that loneliness or that restlessness is not wrong in and of itself. It's just not. It's part of the supplies, if you will, that you and I have been given by our Maker. The Bible also says, before I formed you in the womb... I knew you. I wish we had time and I wish I, I knew what God knows. I could go through this entire audience and I could say God knew that you would struggle with anger. God knew that you were going to be susceptible to loneliness. God knew that among all of your friends, you're going to be the most sensitive and, and your feelings are going to get hurt the easiest. He knew it. Before you were ever born. So again, if that's you and it is us, whoever you are, you got something. God made you that way. Don't beat yourself up about it. Celebrate it to some degree. God gave us those emotions. The Bible says, Now, O Lord, You are our Father, we are the clay, and You are our potter. We are all the work of Your hand. So for all of those out there this morning who may like to pretend, well, I don't have those feelings. Come on, give us a break. Sure you do. Because God gave them to all of us. Now, if the lesson ended there, we'd have a problem. We really would. Because we might all walk out of here and think, well, that's, it's okay for me to be mad at everybody. No, that's not what we said. God gave you the emotion of anger, but what in the world are we supposed to do with that? Let's move on to the brushes that we have. Because every artist understands that a canvas and paint is just the beginning. That's just gathering the supplies. What, what I'm going to do with that is going to determine what kind of artwork I create, right? I'm going to grab a brush, or I might grab a, a palette knife, or I might grab a sponge. I don't know what your particular... Method might be if you're an artist. But if you're a human being and you've got the, the emotions that God gave you, here are the brushes that you might recognize. 
You can express your emotions through talking, through writing. You can express your emotions, believe me, by your tone of voice. That's the number one rule in marriage I'm figuring out. Watch your tone. Body language. Social media. There's some people that get on social media and express their emotions and you're like, who is that? They don't do that when I'm around them. That's a way of expressing. That's a brush, if you will. Attitude. Silence. Physicality. You could get violent or you could hug someone or you could cry or you could laugh. All of these are brushes that we use to express the God-given emotions that we all have. What are you going to do with yours? Now the Bible says you need to be careful. If we could sum up all the Scriptures we're about to look at, I think we could say God would say concerning the emotions He gave us, be careful. Yes, I gave them to you. Yes, they're inherently okay to have. But let me help you with how to manage them, right? Doesn't the Bible say for everything, we just read this, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Did you notice what Lane just read? How much that had to do with emotion? Over half of the things that the the writer of Ecclesiastes mentions here have to do with how we feel. There is a time to be angry. There is a time to be sad. There is a time to love and a time to hate. There's a a time, there's an appropriate place to put those emotions. And I'm thankful for that. That means I'm not broken. And neither are you. But, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. That's in the Bible too, right? He who rules his spirit is better than he who takes a city. That's a mouthful right there. You want to be the most powerful man in the world? Learn to control yourself. Learn to control your emotions instead of letting them control you. Be angry. It's okay to be angry. Be angry, but don't sin. Don't give an opportunity to who? To the one who wants to steal and kill and destroy. Don't do that. You're angry? Fine. I can handle that, God says. I can handle your anger. But be careful. Don't sin. Don't do anything with it that I told you not to do. Because then you're giving an opportunity to the one who hates you, who wants to ruin your life. And if you have ever let anger cause you to sin, you know that's true, don't you? You know that when you tell somebody how you really feel about them, nothing good ever comes out of it, does it? It might feel good for about eight seconds. Maybe nine. But it's not a good thing, is it? The Bible says don't do that. The vexation of a fool is known at once. You know anybody like that? Their emotions, they just kind of bubble up. And you're like, well, I know how they're feeling. Immediately. Well, that's a foolish way to be. The prudent ignores an insult. A a, a smart person, a wise person, can have somebody prick their emotions and he can say, you know what, I I don't think I'll respond to that. I don't know that that would do any good. The Bible says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. It's our decision. You're going to let your emotions just run wild in your heart and mind and let them turn you into a mess? Or are you going to let God... Rule in your heart. 
It's a decision. It's a choice, isn't it? Be thankful. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Your spirit this morning may be just in turmoil, and there may be a thousand things you want to say or do or express, and the Bible says be careful. A fool does that. A fool says, let me just tell you everything that's on my mind. That might not be the very best way to handle things, right? Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that what we all want? I need my heart to be guarded. I don't need to let it run wild and and say whatever comes into my mind. That's not a good thing. And there are a hundred more Scriptures we could put on the board if we had time this morning that would say the exact same thing. Be careful, be careful, be careful. There are brushes, yes. There's every kind of brush that you could imagine to make any kind of stroke on the canvas that you might want to make, but they're not all the right decision sometimes. Sometimes you have to make choices. Sometimes you say, that brush is a little too big for this situation. I'm going to put it down. I'm going to get this small one. We have to do that in life as well. Let's talk about a man without self-control. If you can't do this, if you won't do this, it's like a city broken into and left without walls. You know what that means about you? You are vulnerable. You don't have any self-control. Your emotions run your life. You don't have any protection. God really can't do much to help you because you won't put up some walls. Okay, so this is all incredibly important. Cast your anxieties where? When you have them, not if. When you have the emotion and the feeling of anxiety, take it to God because He cares for you. God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. We've got to be mindful of, of all of the things that the Bible says about our feelings and our emotions. Let's talk about techniques. Because up until this point in your life, you and I have chosen how to express our emotions. We've already made a choice. We are an artist with a very specific style, if, you'll, if you can understand what I mean by that. Everybody kind of knows probably by now how we do this. There are, there are several different options, generally speaking, when it comes to expressing our emotions. Let's, let's go through just a couple this morning, and maybe this will give you a better idea of the changes that you might need to make. You know about abstract art, right? Raise your hand if you like abstract art. Three people. Okay. Brooke loves it. Uh, I've done some abstract paintings for Brooke. They're hanging in our house. Uh, What is it that makes an artist or a piece of art abstract? Well, here's here's what that means. It's, It's purposely vague. The artist is like, he's feeling something or she's feeling something about this, but it's anybody's guess as to what it is. People will stand in front of these abstract artworks and they'll just, ooh, yes. Hmm. Yes, that speaks to me. You know, obviously he's, you know, he's just won the lottery because look at this. And another person will come and stand up and say, oh, you're seeing this all wrong. He's having a bad day. And another person and another person. And the artist is just giggling in the back. Like, I guess you'll just never know, right? Because it's just something that I know. It's just intentionally 
vague. Now, it might have taken them a lot of time, a lot of effort. It requires some technique. But the audience is just left guessing. And the three people in this audience appreciate that, and the rest of us hate it. Because I want to know, what, you, what, what did you draw? What is that? I don't have any idea what that is. How am I supposed to appreciate it? And here's what this style does. Like, if you want to come along and criticize it, good luck. What are you going to say? Well, I don't care for that blob right there in the left-hand corner. That's in the wrong place. Well, who are you to say that? And the artist kind of knows that. It's protection. You can't criticize something you don't know anything about. I've purposely closed off your ability to criticize what I've done. How can you say it's bad? Might be the very best thing I've ever done. So what does this mean? Who are these people? When it comes to expressing emotion, who are these people? Well, the abstract artist, emotionally, is the person that nobody really knows how they feel. Because they just kind of throw their emotions around kind of randomly. Seemingly kind of carelessly, with no desire to clearly communicate how they feel to anyone. They just want to leave people guessing. Well, you figure it out. And by the time you figure it out, I'll probably feel differently. And I'll change the meaning of this particular piece of art. We are purposely, if we're abstract, we're purposely vague, we're purposely unclear, we're inconsistent, we're unpredictable, and it's probably because we want some deniability for how we're behaving. Well, you can't criticize me if you, if you don't really know what's going on with me. Because we can always say things like, well, I didn't mean that. That day when I was angry all day, I didn't mean that. I, would, I just, you know, I was dealing with something else. We're avoiding, if we're abstract in this, we're avoiding accountability for our own emotional outbursts. Do you know anyone like this? You don't have any idea what they're thinking or feeling. Because they don't want you to. They won't let you know. This doesn't mean that you won't be liked or loved or even appreciated by some people, but it does mean you're going to limit your audience. You're going to have a very limited amount of people who want to be around you because they don't know what's going to come out next. They don't know what to make of you. They don't know how to read you. Now, you might say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with that is the Bible says we have a pretty particular audience. Right? We'll talk more about this in just a moment, but, but it's not, it really isn't our decision as to whether or not we want to be understood by people. Whether we're talking about the church or whether we're talking about those outside the church, we don't get the luxury of just remaining some kind of mystery emotionally. That pushes people away. And we don't want to push people away with our emotions. We want to draw them in. Right? That's our goal. So you've got this abstract technique that some people have emotionally. You've also got on the other end of that, photorealism. When you look at this picture, do you see a photograph or a painting? And if we weren't doing this lesson, and I just put this picture up on the board, would you really know if that was a real picture or a painting? Probably not. And if you would, it means you, knew, you already knew about this particular piece. This is actually a photorealistic painting. These artists are committed to reproducing exactly what they see in real life. Down to the last speck, and they spend enormous amounts of time doing it. And nothing is left for interpretation. 
That's a car. An old ugly one, by the way. That's a car in front of a diner with some trees and a house beside it. There's nothing to interpret. It is exactly what it seems to be. It's not so much art, even though it requires a great deal of talent and patience, but it's not so much art as it is just a reproduction of what's actually there. Everything that's actually there. So who are these people? The photorealist artists when it comes to emotion. Well, these are the people who tell you exactly how they feel all the time. You enjoy that? You don't have to wonder what they're feeling. They're going to tell you exactly what they feel every single minute of every single day. Nobody has to wonder. Their life is an open book. We lay it out for everybody to see. Do you know anyone like that? Is that who you are? Is that even possible to do that? I'm not that way. I don't know anybody that's this way, but this is the other extreme. Is that everything that comes into their mind or heart is something that they share specifically with everybody who will listen. I'm not sure that's a smart way to be either. Or a biblical way to be. We just read some verses that say you might not want to do that. Fools do that. So what is it in between that we need to be searching for? Well, artistically we might call it a recognizable style. If you know anything about art, do you know who painted that painting? Vincent Van Gogh. If you know anything about art, and maybe if you don't, you can recognize his style. You can also recognize that this is not completely abstract, but it's also not completely photorealistic either. You can tell what he's painting, but you can also tell maybe how he feels about it, or his take on it, or his interpretation of it. Most great and memorable and successful artists have managed this. They have developed their own particular style of expressing themselves artistically. And there's a strong element of honesty there. The artist puts themselves out there. This is the way I see things. This is unique to me. Maybe you appreciate it, maybe you don't. But th this is my take on this and it took a long time to get there. Now you can interpret it to some degree. But there's no doubt what we're looking at here, right? This is the sky. There's some buildings. There, there's a tree-type structure that we're looking at right there in the middle. You, you can't change that. So what we're talking about here is, is a group of people that they don't tell everyone everything about how they're feeling or everything that they might want to say, but, but they do express themselves well enough to be understood. To where someone doesn't have to constantly say, I, I don't know what's going on with them. I can't, I can't get a read on them. I can't tell what they're struggling with or what they're dealing with. If the Bible says bear one another's burdens and we won't ever express ourselves, how are we supposed to do that? If I won't even admit to you that I'm struggling with something, how are you supposed to help me bear that burden? We've got to find a style. A way of taking the raw emotions that God gave us, picking up the appropriate brushes, and using a technique... It causes people to say, okay, I think I know how to help them right now. I think I understand what they're dealing with. And, you know, I think I can be of assistance. When it comes down to the exhibition of our artistic style emotionally, here are some final reminders. As our life is put up on display, so to speak, as we consider that every decision we make is, is a piece of art going up in a gallery that, that everyone around us sees, that we can't hide from, 
These are the things that I would like to remind us of as we close. Number one, choose and consider your audience very carefully. Consider the fact that, that the Bible says that we're to use wisdom toward outsiders. Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Do you really think, I don't know who I'm talking to here, but I bet it's somebody. Do you really think that if you're a complete jerk on Facebook, I don't care what it's about, that anybody is going to care what you have to say about Jesus? You need to be able to answer that question, and so do I. That's your audience. God says, I want you to reach every single one of these people with the gospel. If you are a jerk, and you let all your emotions be on display, the good ones, the bad ones, all of it, and you just let it all out there, you're not considering your audience. Same is true within the church. If you either keep it all to yourself or you let it all out, you are not considering your audience and you're not considering what God tells you to do within that audience, are you? The Bible says, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. If the Bible says, as we said just a second ago, bear one another's burdens, the implication and the requirement is, I'm going to have to trust somebody with how I feel. That's hard, isn't it? That's why a lot of us just stuff that stuff down and we just don't ever talk about it. Especially guys, men, I know that's true. Because I do it. We need to be very careful about that. Consider your audience. The gallery that we are preparing is for them. I would say develop a style if you can. And, and what do I mean by that? Well, I mean study God's Word. As it regards your emotion. What will God allow me to do and what will God not allow me to do? And let me pray for some wisdom about that. And let me meditate on the last week of my life. How have I handled my emotions? The good ones, the bad ones, the scary ones, the, the ones that people are, are intimidated by. How have I handled it? Meditate on that. Practice your emotional expression. Pray. Write. Journal. Do some artwork. Talk to your parents. Talk to your siblings. Talk to, to people in safe spaces where you can practice so that you don't go out and make a mess. Your technique, your expression, your exhibition needs a style so that people can begin to understand you and help you and bring you closer to God. Finally, try to be as consistent as you can. We're not all going to be consistent emotionally all the time. That's just the way God made us. But as much as it's possible in our lives, I think it's important that, that people can have some reasonable expectation of who they're dealing with every day. We can't just be totally different every minute of every day. If we can be consistent, then people can learn to trust us and we can learn to trust them and we can get about the mission that God would have us to be about. There is an art to dealing with and expressing our emotions as God's people. God's people should do this differently than everybody around us, shouldn't we? We should be different when it comes to how we express our emotions. We cannot and should not be an unpredictable mess of emotions. It's not going to be a happy existence for us. It's not going to bring joy and we're going to make a mess. So this morning, I don't know exactly what emotions you're currently struggling with. I don't know. And maybe I didn't bring up a verse that helps you with it, but, but there probably is one. And if you do need help dealing with whatever you're feeling, this is the place. 
These are God's people. These, these are the people that, that want to help you through that because we could probably sit there and tell you, yeah, I'm struggling with something very similar. So maybe this morning you need some help. And maybe your emotions are running your life and maybe you have given too many opportunities to the devil as a result. Don't let that continue to happen. Through the strength and the grace of God, take control of those and, and start expressing them in a way that will be pleasing to Him. And if we could help you in any way to do that, would you come?